Hey, and welcome back to Surcast, your monthly podcast hookup for the latest and greatest in evidence-based practice. Thanks for uh, being patient with us while we are away. Meredith was off catching Pokemons, and Woo-hoo. I was, yeah, there you go, and I was perfecting my summer brew recipe, so we're, we're in good hands now. Anyway, this month we're going to be talking about the treatment-based classification system for back pain. You may be asking yourself, which treatment-based classification system? Because there are a few. Um, So I think we're going to start with a little bit of a history lesson. I'm going to take you guys back to 1995. Tony DeLito, Anthony DeLito, was the original proposer of the treatment-based classification system, or at least kind of the modern iteration of it. He proposed a three-tiered system based on uh, developing an idea if someone was appropriate for physical therapy, and then they were staged into either stage one, two, or three based on the initial examination. Things that were in that classification system included some aspects of directional preference, uh, some impairment-based treatment, and then eventually a progression towards activity tolerance and work tolerance activities. So, Eventually, uh, Julie Fritz comes along in 2007. This is what most of us are familiar with if you were DBT program recently. She had the treatment-based classification that was uh, based on more objective markers. Uh, she looked at a manipulation classification that had a couple of different objective markers, directional preference classification, and a stabilization classification. There was also a traction one, but it didn't ever really shook out very much as, as a Uh, most of us are aware. At any rate, it kind of forewent, I don't think on purpose, but forewent a lot of the um, progression-based ideas that Delito had when he was making his uh, TBC. So Arwaley, Muhammad Arwaley, just this year, hot off the press, came out with a little bit of a synthesis of both ideas in the JOSPT earlier this year. This treatment-based classification system pulls from both Its structure looks very much like Tony Delito's insofar as it has an initial classification based on whether or not they're appropriate for therapy and then a kind of a three-tiered system as the patient moves from one to the next. So in this episode of SIRCAST, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Uh, We're going to be going over what the differences between all the different systems are and kind of how, uh, how we use this. So... To help me do that, I got I got my I got my motley crew here with me. Uh, I have Casey, I have Riley, and Meredith are all here to help us. So, just to kind of kick it off here, uh, Riley, if you would please, can you tell us just a little bit about how you see the differences between some of these uh, systems, and especially the difference between the new system and the old ones? Mm-hmm. Sure. So the new TBC is a lot more comprehensive. That was kind of the goal to be all encompassing. So it actually takes a step back and starts with the first contact to a healthcare provider. So before they even arrive in PT, they see probably their primary care or maybe an orthopedic doctor. And then they, they there's three categories from there. So either um, they've got red flags and they need a further medical workup or they're appropriate for PT right away and then they go down to PT management. Or maybe they, they don't really need any treatment at all, um, just some advice medication, they go into self-care management. But if they do fall into the rehabilitation management category, then that's where it falls down to us and we're seeing the patient. Then we have three more options from there. And these are kind of based on the magnitude of their symptoms and how irritable their symptoms are. So the first category is symptom modulation, where you're just really trying to control their pain. These are for people that are really symptomatic, high disability level when, when they first come in. Second category is movement control. So this is where you're really starting to address the impairments, includes flexibility exercises, stabilization, neuro re exercises. 
And then the last category is functional optimization. So this is when their symptoms are very low and controlled. They're becoming more functional and you're really working on strength and conditioning, getting them back to sport specific or specific activities. And it's a, it's a progression of those three categories. So they might start in the first one and then by the end of treatment, they end up in the last category. So this, this, this kind of progression, obviously it sounds a lot more, if, if the word exists, Dolito-ish, I guess, Dolito-ish, <laughs> than it does Fritz-ish. Um, Fritzy. thank you. There you go. So there is some aspects of it, though. Like if you look at ROA a little bit later down, how he goes through symptom modulation, he basically uses a lot of the data from Julie's uh, work in order to work towards either directional preference exercises or to manipulation. So what do you guys think? Do you, do you like this better where it's a little bit more broad and vague and you kind of work towards a specific one? Or do you like the structure and rules that, that Julius provides? I mean, it's, it's less narrow minded. I mean, it doesn't like, I feel like it doesn't box clinicians into where, you know, you had those issues where people had, they were like, what do I do with this person? This person falls in two categories. This is a good point mm-hmm. because a lot of people, and you can even look at actual research that's been done on this, there's a fair amount of disagreement as to where people should be classified. You know, you see a lot of statistics that show you that people disagree on classifications and where someone fits. The nice thing about a classification system like Delitos or Arwaylis is that you move through a progression that you don't ever really live in one classification. And I know like the, fr- the Fritzy people out there, uh, Fritzy, we're going to make that a thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We'll say that people are going to reclassify, but I think starting with a construct that is designed to move through a progression, I think can help, especially with a novice clinician who's not super experienced with this. Well, and the article also talks about, I think prioritizing, which is kind of what you were getting at prioritizing their treatments so if they do you know fit into one or more to almost like take them back a step rather than pushing them forward I uh, it's funny because if you look at the new the new one three of the categories in, in Fritz's classification are all in one category on this so directional preference mobilization and traction are all in the symptom modulation category and then everything else stabilization is completely in the the next two categories so it's it's quite a bit different but to me that's more of how I think about what my goals are uh, when a patient is coming in to see me I heard I was listening to another podcast and some PT described a less good podcast yeah. less <laughs> exactly. good less of course good. not as good <laughs> I have all the best words <laughs> I have the worst words <laughs> um, he described like everything PTs do in two categories he said we calm sh- down and then we build sh- <laughs> and that's like exactly what this says to me. It's like if their if their symptoms are high, we gotta calm it down first. We gotta get them out of pain it. enough that they can move and start correcting their movement dysfunction. The better they're feeling, we can do more and more. So I'm gonna have to learn how to bleep out. <laughs> oh my god! Do you know how hard it was for me to figure out how to like, maybe, maybe. fade in and fade out music? Now I have to figure out how to bleep you out. Maybe reset. That's gonna yeah. be hilarious. You know, though. honestly, I think you just found it. I mean. Well, and I like the idea of this one because, I mean, basically everybody needs to learn how to have some core stability across mm-hmm. the board. So everyone's going to end up in that category anyway in our own minds. And so I think it's easier to just know that that's the end goal instead of I have to put them in stabilization from the beginning or else I've inappropriately classified or something like that. So Right. 
It's just easier. I do feel though that the last category, that's like my favorite part of treatment because I love just exercising the heck out of people. <laughs> but a lot of times I don't get like I don't get them there because once their symptoms are that low, they're done with therapy. They're ready to be done, or their physician's ready for them to be done, or whatever the case is, their insurance is ready for them to be done. A lot of times the last one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think is important to draw attention to is the breadth of this treatment-based classification system. It incorporates the medical management, or at least the medical screening of things. And as we are pushing for a doctoral level uh, practice, we're trying to be this primary access point for patients, understanding the importance of medically screening someone for yellow and red flags and how that affects your treatment system and what that means for needing to refer versus needing to monitor and, and, and address different things I think is important. I also think, as Riley said, the continuum is extremely important because as therapists, we don't stop at symptom modulation. You know, we try to get their symptoms down, but part of the fun of PT and the, the great things that we do for people is that we get them beyond just symptom management. We get them to functional optimization. So I think this continuum is, uh, is a very valuable thing. Um, so what about the yellow flag stuff, guys? Uh, this uh, article talks a lot about yellow flags, about psychological factors um, and how to evaluate them. They use the FABQ in this quite a bit. Um, does this change or modify or have any effect on how well you guys treat? Yeah, I would, I would kind of argue that you want to know, you want to know about yellow flags because it's going to affect um, prognosis. It's going to affect a lot of the language that you use with your patient, I think. I don't think there's a lot of evidence to show that, you know, when you find those yellow flags and maybe even refer them, you know, to some other healthcare provider, that that impacts their outcome. So would you, Casey, do you, do you use this kind of information prognostically only, or what, what do you think? Regardless of evidence, in my clinical experience, when dealing with like blatant fear avoidance, where there are definitely those factors, that mm -hmm. would, in this case, absolutely, like I may keep them in um, the movement control category longer mm -hmm to build their confidence for function optimization, if that makes sense. I would agree yeah. with that. That's the only really way I use it in patient care, other than, I mean, if they're positive on both depression screenings, I'm gonna explore that and yeah. refer, but that's the only one that would impact like what I would do with the patient. Right. Basically. No, that makes a lot of sense. Cause like maybe their symptoms are low and they'd fall under functional optimization, but then they also told you they think if they lift something, they're gonna blow their whole back out again. You're not gonna like throw them right into Functional lifting. So something to touch on, and this has been something that's been brought up by different people uh, since this article came out, which obviously was not very long ago, is the way in which people were classified in this uh, in this system, and they are classified prior to objective examination. Does anyone have an issue with that? Does anyone not like that? I object. <laughs> she objects. Sustained, we'll hear your argument. So I think it's interesting that you're using, um, you know, your, I guess, initial subject information, like what is their pain? What is their disability questionnaire look like um, to match versus 
taking that information in combination with your objective exam and then matching them appropriately. I think it's hard to put somebody in a movement control category if you have not seen them move yet. Do y'all have any thoughts on this? You know, it's interesting because his his their rationale for classification is, is quite broad and very subjective. So movement control is classified based on this idea that pain rating is low to moderate. Uh, disability rating, which is based on either Oz Westry or Roland Morris, is medium and their symptoms are stable, uh, the movement impairments are the predominant issue. That's a fairly broad classification schema and obviously incorporates no objective findings. Riley already pointed out that symptom modulation houses all three of Julie's uh, classifications and even then he doesn't use a whole lot of specific classification criterion. So, you know, I, I definitely agree. I, I think this is maybe one place where I don't really use his classification system the same way. I'm going to gain objective information about motion and repeated motion and the irritability of symptoms in examination prior to classification. So I, I, I think I, I mostly agree with Casey. Mostly. mostly. I just, I reserve my full agreement. <laughs> mostly. <laughs> I, uh, I, I definitely agree with Casey. I, I think this, this system accomplishes what its goal was, which was to be super comprehensive. And it is, but like, I was all excited when this new, I heard about this new TVC came out. And after I read it, I was kind of disappointed because it wasn't going to change my treatment. Like it, it laid everything out. This is how, you know, this is how we manage low back pain from the second they see the first healthcare provider. But, you know, we already, we already do red flag screenings. We already do yellow flag screenings. Um, what I want to know is when they are appropriate for rehab, when I'm going to see them, how can I make my treatments a little bit better, a little bit evidence, more evidence-based um, based on how they're presenting? What things do I definitely need to do if they're presenting in a certain way? And this doesn't really give us any guidance there. I think that's when I kind of use them in conjunction. So, I mean, step one is, yeah, are they appropriate? And then if they're in pain modulation, great, that tells me I am one of three categories still. So then that's when I take into account Fritz's ideas of really looking at them and objectively seeing, are they at manipulation? Do they fit the CPR? So is that my first treatment, you know, because you have like maybe five, 10 minutes to do an actual treatment after an eval and paperwork. So I still want to know day one, what's my best bang for my buck for this patient so that I can get patient buy-in so that they trust me and they want to come back so we can continue to progress into stabilization, whatever, maybe after that. So I kind of mm -hmm. use them together in that aspect. Yeah. It sounds like there's a fair amount of agreement here that perhaps for someone who is a novice to treatment-based classification systems in general, especially as it relates to low back pain, that perhaps this new system is very comprehensive in the way that someone can look at back pain and look at the continuum of treatment. But at the end of the day, a lot of the specific treatments that we are gonna choose, whether they be directional preference exercises, manipulation exercises, or stabilization, will still come from some of our studies like Julie's in the past um, and, and others who contributed to the formation of that treatment-based classification system. And I also think, we talked about this when we were talking about the cervical treatment-based classification, but one of, the, one of the purposes or one of the benefits of having this research is because in the past, when you're trying to 
to study the effectiveness of physical therapy, they're, they're standardizing the intervention. So they take a bunch of people with back pain, they give them this exact set of exercises, they do that for four weeks, and then they reassess and it shows little to no effectiveness. So the good part about the TBC studies is it takes them and treats them all individually according mm -hmm. to their presentation and their symptoms, and then all of a sudden we get way better outcomes and we're able to demonstrate how effective we can be. So again, I don't know, I don't know how you would put this um, into a randomized control trial. It'd be tough. Well, and I think too, like the that said, I know we kind of went from praising the system to just kicking it into the dirt. <laughs> but I think that there is, um, I think there is benefit, especially from the PT community. If you're not already using a system like this, I think that all of us here would challenge you to read this article. Um, it lays out, I think, the best of uh, Delito's ideas in this idea that patients are part of a continuum and they can start at different points, but we want them to all finish at the same functional optimization. Um, but perhaps as far as actual treatment decisions, you're going to be looking at a little bit more pragmatic studies, uh, things that like Julie and others have done, uh, looking at whether it's manipulation or directional preference or uh, things of that nature as far as specific treatment ideas. So, you know, as with all things, it seems like it's maybe a little bit of it all and not one or the other. So. It depends. It depends. It's always the answer. The CERTCAST answer. It depends. <laughs> One thing that I would like to bring up, and uh, we've discussed this in our pre-production meetings that I referenced. These, these, uh, these are very important meetings. Is... One limitation of treatment-based classifications in general is that they assume that you have screened to the point this person truly has lumbar-related pain profiles. What this this is something that I think is maybe a, a little bit of a too much of an assumption, right? I think it's way too much of an assumption. Um, just because I think the entire idea of regional interdependence is kind of a new concept, and so you know when you see a eval for low back pain, people's immediate thought is look at the back. But I mean, how many times is it really coming from the hip? Is it a muscle referral? Is it a joint restriction at the hip? I mean, so many things can refer there. And so I don't, I don't think you should take it for granted that any patient that walks in with back pain is a true back pain patient. And I don't think they should take it for granted in this system that that's already been screened out. Um, Cause I just didn't see any mention of it anywhere, you know, that we've actually gone through the steps to do this and when we're taking the time to talk about catastrophizing and mm -hmm. depression and biopsychosocial other biopsychosocial issues you know we're trying to create this this framework is so broad i think there probably should be some mention or at least consideration of regional interdependence um as you know any anyone who's practiced for any period of time will tell you you know the thing uh, one joint hides is another one all the time and i think that at least giving some kind of nod of, of recognizing that this is part of the profile um, is certainly probably worth our time. Just wait for our TBC. We're going to make one, right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah when, when we all have a little bit more free time. <laughs> I do think that's a fair point because none of the, even in Fritz's classification, there's no specific reference of working on the hip. Stability, which that's a pretty general term. Who knows what that means? All right, lots of good ideas. You know, the the point of this episode was to at least discuss a little bit about this. You know, this hit the press earlier this year. 
Uh, it certainly, I think, it was very exciting when it first came out. You know, everyone has gone through their emotional roller coaster of, of you know, it, who they they side with or if there is even side. So, you know, I think after all this, let's let's kind of give a, a elevator pitch here. So everyone uh, is going to kind of we're going to go around the table here. Everyone has a chance to kind of say what they think is the most important thing about this this newest addition to the lumbar TBC. Uh, world. So we'll start with uh, Dr. Cabe. We're going to start with Dr. Mahan. <laughs> That's just such a big <laughs> question. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, okay, my two cents. Um, I like I like how it's comprehensive and it kind of gives you the general layout of what happens when a person presents to a medical provider with a little back pain and where do we go from there. And I like the focus on irritability of symptoms and that and that's going to guide our treatment um it doesn't really give you a whole lot of guidance on specific interventions so we would need probably a separate a separate tbc something more like um the one fritz laid out i like that it is a um kind of fluid model in which you can move patients you know either you can progress them forward or you know regress them backwards if necessary without moving categories or feeling like you're having to reclassify them that it's more of a a continuum if you will. My only issue is that I don't necessarily agree with the fact that you plan your physical examination or plan their category prior to examining them um, objectively so I think that's an area that should be further explored. In my opinion I think that there is a lot of people who read this article they see all the the Delito aspects of it, and I think that they think it's at feud with Julie's work, and I don't think I see it that way. Um, I think that they actually work quite harmoniously. You know, one thing that I truly think that we could maybe pull from this is understanding that that our Whaley here has given us this idea of what physical therapy looks like in the medical model, where we screen, we get people, we get people better, and kind of the whole start to finish, the true start to finish. But in that first classification, symptom modulation, one of the most difficult places for a physical therapist to live, a person with high disability, volatile symptoms, and high pain, you know, understanding what to do in that moment, that's when you can go to Julie's work. So I almost feel like there should be a little branch that goes away from symptom modulation to Julie's TBC and says, and here's how you get them from symptom modulation to movement control. So I, I think that this actually works quite harmoniously. I think her work can be housed within the broadness of this system. Um, so I, I, I like it. Um, I, I do agree with Casey, however. I think that the one drawback a little bit is I, I wish that there would have been more emphasis on including the objective examination prior to classification. Okay, so I agree with everyone so far. So good work, team. Hey, thanks. Um, the only um, part I would say is to, as PTs, to not forget about the first part. Um, we all kind of assume that they've seen their doctor but by the time they have come to us, but whether it's direct access or whether it's they went to the orthopedic who, I don't know, assumed their shoulder pain was from their shoulder and not from their heart or their lungs or something like that. I mean, we just need to have a good working knowledge, and even if the doctor has gone through the red, yellow, and green kind of go through it again ourselves. It doesn't hurt to double check. Mm-hmm. And we should have the knowledge as DPTs to do that check. 
Totally agree. Okay. I think he would agree with you, too. I think he would, too. All, all of them, actually. Not just him. Not just him. Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, guys. I uh, appreciate you tuning in to another episode of CertCast. Check us out next month. We'll be back with a new topic. As always, if you have any feedback, you have questions, you want to engage with us in conversation, the best way is at the at CircastKC Twitter feed. We are also launching a new Facebook group that allows people to uh, discuss new topics. Uh, it also gives us the opportunity to publish additional media, videos, things of that nature. So uh, what we'll be doing in the next couple of weeks, we'll be publishing some of the information from the R. Whaley uh, treatment-based classification system as a reference. We'll also be giving you a link to the new article. Um, but feel free to contact us. We love getting the feedback. We love engaging all of our listeners in discussion. So uh, thanks for your attention, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>